Welcome to The Encrypted Economy, a weekly podcast featuring discussions exploring the business, laws, regulation, security, and technologies relating to digital assets and data. I am Eric Hess, founder of Hess Legal Counsel. I've spent decades representing regulated exchanges, broker-dealers, investment advisors, and all matter of fintech companies for all things touching electronic trading with a focus on new and developing technologies. So big announcement on The Encrypted Economy this week. I am no longer introducing myself three times in every podcast. I had the uh, pleasure of listening to myself the other day, and um, I noticed I introduced myself before the intro, during the intro, and then again right before the podcast. So the uh, with this episode, I am no longer introducing myself anymore. I think you guys know who I am. At any rate, um, can you believe that we are on 60 episodes of the encrypted economy. A couple of times I talk about, hey, I'm going to do more solo podcasts, but then I get really excited about all the new guests. I mean, this is just a incredible space to be in. And I'm just so excited that I chose uh, this topic and this um, emphasis when I did, because um, there certainly hasn't been any disappointment in topics I talk about or great guests to have on. Um, I just didn't think we were going to have this kind of year in 2021. It's really just been stunning. So those first few episodes, I set the tone on what I wanted the encrypted economy to be, covering jurisdiction-specific approaches to digital assets, digital asset infrastructure, privacy, both in the U.S. and abroad, digital asset regulatory compliance, AML surveillance, exciting disruptive technologies, multi-party computation, homomorphic encryption, and and I'm really looking forward to how all those themes actually start to coalesce. Um, in, I guess, some of my most recent episodes, I've been starting to uh, introduce this concept of data cooperatives, and uh, we'll be having some guests in the new year on that. And it's a topic I really want to start to explore, this convergence of cooperatives, decentralization, and secure multi-party computation and privacy-enhancing technologies generally. Um, but on the themes that I talked about, I continue to build on them, added security into the mix, um, and also building in digital asset markets, stable coins, uh, MEV, private blockchains, hyperledger, non-fungible tokens, DAOs, and cooperatives. All along, even when I was a bit over my skis, I tried to get either more depth or a different angle with my guests. I hope I succeeded. I've started posting um, a weekly commentary, I guess, on LinkedIn with the um, po- with posting the podcast. Uh, I wanted to move away from just doing an advertisement, just flashing the, the artwork, but I wanted to add some written thoughts related to the podcast um, and not necessarily directly. So if you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to do so. So now I'm going to share some notable takeaways from this past year on the podcast, and I'm sure I'm leaving a ton out. Um, probably my biggest theme takeaway in this space is to avoid overgeneralizations. There's so much evolving and there's so many sound bites too. So my advice for myself and to my listeners, don't hesitate to ask questions, to try to unpack terms, what they mean, and to unpack the applications. Just keep unpacking because oftentimes uh, maybe the questions you're asking haven't been asked. If you're listening to the encrypted economy, by definition, you're doing this anyway. Um, but you know, you look at all the three-letter acronyms and the $200 words in this space, and, and lots of times um, 
you know, it make us, makes us look like we're, you know, a mile wide, but in fact, uh, just one inch deep. So that's why I try to dig into concepts like DAOs or NFTs or MEV or DeFi or AI even, multi-party computation, homomorphic encryption. Those aren't $2 words, they're descriptors, but there's so much more. Um, every single one of these terms has complexity and nuance. Uh, and oftentimes, like particularly for something like NFTs, I say it's like describing air, water, you know, earth. It's just NFT just doesn't do it justice. Homomorphic en encryption was such a term. A couple of years ago, every time I heard the word, even when I heard it explained, my mind would just go blank. Uh, I'd understand all the words that were being said to explain it. I understood all the concepts, but I still just couldn't pull it all together. Uh, then as I started to evolve, you know, I wrote an article, I started the podcast, and I was thinking homomorphic encryption is the game changer in new encryption technologies. I was wrong. Um, where I evolved is that, of course, it's the right tool for the job. Once you start to unpack things, there's a lot of different applications. Um, and oftentimes you use multiple tools when it comes to privacy enhancing technologies. So secure multi-party computations with zero knowledge proofs, homomorphic encryption with uh, multi-party computations. All these things can be used depending on the job. And in some of my episodes, I even, even asked my guests, where did you make mistakes? Thinking that something would apply like homomorphic encryption, then you learned that maybe secure multi-party computation was the right choice. So um, that was a lesson that resonated with all my guests is right tool for the job. Um, you know, it's also a question of what tools you're going to be using it with. Federated learning machine learning, uh, and how do you achieve your objectives. Within the technology, some frameworks are going to be more effective than others, but it's incredibly exciting. Um, and, and what remains exciting and hasn't really changed from when I started diving into it day one is the way that these privacy-enhancing technologies don't just achieve like a regulatory objective of privacy, which is, of course, critical, but they also facilitate collaboration in ways that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Um, somebody made a comment that uh, you should you should uh, refer to um, uh, privacy enhancing technologies, the pets, as partnership enhancing technologies. I don't know if I'd necessarily buy into the complete substitution, but I get the gist and it does resonate. Um, then, uh, of course, as I did the, the podcast, I also dabble a little bit into AI as it related to encryption and security. Um, and I had the pleasure of having uh, Igor Mezik on the podcast. And that really pushed my boundaries and made me appreciate the challenges more of the intelligence component of artificial intelligence and how independent artificial is from humans. Um, I had a lot of experts on the podcast and and. Uh, particularly related to digital asset regulatory frameworks. I think back into my episode with Gary DeWall on the 1st of February of this year, um, and we talked about Gary Gensler. He actually wasn't nominated to the chair of the SEC yet. Um, and and Gary said, who's, who's obviously an expert in his own right, um, uh, he serves on the uh, CFTC Technology uh, Committee, and he's he's got a, a, a very respected career in the CFTC and outside. Gary said that the digital asset industry would, in fact, get the regulatory clarity within the tenure of Gary Gensler that they had asked for, but he did not think that the digital asset industry would like that clarity. So I don't know. I, I leave it to my listeners who are familiar. Was 
was Gary correct? Gary DeWall correct in uh, in his prediction? Uh, I think it remains to be seen whether Chair Gensler is going to be Icarus with the wings who flew close to the sun and then the wings melted or, or not. Um, but he is certainly very active in these in discussing digital assets and raising alarms uh, continuously. Um, and maybe in an overly politicized way, a point that I've made before, um, you know, some of the th- things that he encourages are at odds with my own understanding, such as encouraging digital asset markets, you know, not registered exchanges to become registered with the SEC, which isn't viable. There's no really pathway for that to be possible um, or economic. The encrypted economy also had tremendous guests on to discuss AML KYC. That is an area I feel a little differently about than the way the SEC in the U.S. is managing digital asset regulation. Um, most recently, Michael Mosier, uh, former FinCEN director, and I also had David Jevons from CypherTrace, uh, as well as Mark Boyron on the podcast, all talking about uh, FATF. Um, and this is an area that is going to continue to get a lot of attention in 22. Now, FATF guidance has been frustrating. Uh, sometimes it's sort of like it, the guidance comes out and you're like, oh, no. Um, but there has been a lot of engagement with them. And even though it presents some challenges for DeFi, I do think that we are going to move toward a digital asset framework where there will be more decentralized compliance tools to facilitate the dual objectives of privacy in AML. Um, in many ways, we talked about this a lot with um, with my guests, and it's something that we'll continue to explore and explore the technologies uh, that can help achieve this. Now, toward the end of the year, I started to contemplate more the DAO framework, and I had Matt Kaufman on the podcast to discover Wyoming's DAO statute, but we covered uh, SPDI, Special Purpose Depository Institutions, first, which I think is more uh, meaningful or significant for a discussion uh, than the than the DAO statute at this point. But I also became more focused on cooperatives as the original DAO, you know, the OG in the space. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for decentralized structures. There's going to be a lot of experimentation. But what fascinates me about cooperatives is that they are recognized today across so many states. And it is a way of, of approaching decentralized ownership without necessarily giving up some of the benefits of centralizations. Um, and a lot of those states may have cooperative statutes well suited for DAOs or virtual workers, builders, artists, et cetera, and of course, data cooperatives. Um, They don't aim to be completely decentralized, as I noted, but I think they're a a pretty solid, happy medium where the company is not completely algorithmically managed. I just think that if the decentralized economy is going to take off, cooperatives are going to get a big lift and rightfully so. I also believe that cooperatives can leverage the benefits of open source and programmable money to create sustainable projects without the need for native tokens, which is the bugaboo, of course, of the SEC, or at least native tokens that are publicly traded. In many ways, this ties to a bit of more exploration into different... um, In many ways, my focus on cooperatives tied into... Uh, exploration of the of different governance models like proof of existence and delegated staking. Now, just to wrap things up, I'm going to just do a quick snapshot of some of the most listened to episodes on the podcast. Um, I, you know, 
don't go by this list to determine what to listen to next. I encourage you to listen to, to scan through the different episodes and choose what is right for you. But I have to uh, I have to note uh, the ones that got the the largest amount of hits. So top of the list, um, just blowing out the numbers in terms of thousands. Um, and kind of funny given the title, how to bridge across 10,000 blockchains. Um, that was with Jack Liu and Wei Zhao Zhang of Wanchain. Uh, that was a great discussion. We talked a lot about, about the bridging applications and integration with private blockchains. I just thought it was such a fascinating episode. So glad they were both able to join. Um, next up, empowering fintech innovation with infrastructure solutions. That was with Scott Purcell, CEO of Prime Trust. Scott does not sleep, I'm convinced. Um, he's left Prime Trust. I think he's still engaged in that family, but he's left that, his role as CEO and he's with Bank and he's with these other infrastructure provider solutions. I mean, that guy's just nonstop. Uh, it was great to have him on the podcast. Next up, how to improve data for smart contracts with Sasha Millick of API3DAO. I love this project. Um, they're bringing off-chain to on-chain, but they're doing it in a way to just provide the API so that there's no middleman like the chain link model, uh, but with all the security guarantees, just some really cool stuff. And uh, it was great to have her on. Next up, who is going to add digital assets to their balance sheet? Uh, that was James Putra of Crypto Strategy from TradeStation. Um, I got introduced to him because, uh, largely because of similar conversations. Um, but um, it, it, it was great to sort of pick through like what were the barriers to adoption for, for bringing these digital assets on. Next up, how do you scale proof of stake? That was Richard Yan, CEO of VitLabs and the blockchain debate host. Um, that was great to know about you know, the delegated proof of stake model within VeetLabs, but also sort of breaking down the different uh, proof of, you know, proof of delegated stake, proof of stake, quadratic voting, touch on a lot of these different uh, governance type models. And it was, it was great to get his, his um, input on that. Um, next up, author, Matt Zand, author of Hands-On Smart Contract Development with Hyperledger Fabric. And that title was, Why Isn't There More Hype About Hyperledger? Now, this was great. It was my, my first real uh, episode on Hyperledger. I felt like it was a major gap in, in what the encrypted economy was, was providing. We did a, another one since then. We're going to look to do more in the new year. But there's just so much there in, in the context of a private or private now connected to public blockchain space, but all the different applications free of the hype, free of the native token. I like that about it. The ability, you know, it's just I'm not not uh, hating on, on native tokens. It's just, it's a, it's a different framework within which to consider the blockchain ecosystem. So, um, and, and Matt did a great job of walking us through it. He's also a bit of an educator on this. So um, it, it was very effective in that regards. Uh, I can see why it was popular. And I got cited in his book. Yes, I did. I, I actually reviewed his book. And so I'm in, I'm on the book. I'm on the book. I'm famous. Um, if you haven't heard of me. Um, are DAOs and cooperatives a good fit? This one was at Linda Phillips, Yev Muchnik, and Jacqueline Radabat, uh, Jason Wiener at PC. Um, this was a great podcast to start to dive into. I, I've mentioned uh, earlier about DAOs and cooperatives. Um, walk through a lot of things. They're they're a great group. They really understand their stuff. Uh, Yev and Jacqueline just put out a paper uh, as well on this. So sort of walking through things. Um, great great read. Definitely uh, encourage you to read it. Um, Time to tokenize the commodities market with Janine Hightower Salito and Corey Wendling. I got of, of Atomize. I got them before Atomize. Um, well, Atomize was already 
uh, known, but it, it got picked up a lot more, got a lot more publicity because of what they were doing. Well-deserved, great project. Um, was excited to, to have them on the podcast. And then how are crypto funds regulated in the U.S.? Um, that was Greg Exathalis, General Counsel for Multicoin Capital. Um, he also uh, scores uh, the additional benefit of being cited by Hester Purses as Commissioner Hester Purses of the SEC uh, in her Austin speech. So uh, actually, the podcast was cited, and he is on that podcast, that episode. So um, anyway, uh, just thought I'd highlight some of the top ones in the look back episode. I'll be back next week. I'll be doing a similarly short episode, um, looking ahead, maybe making some predictions. There's a lot of the predictions out there. So I'll just try to sort through the ones that uh, maybe I can add some value on and do it from there. Um, we're not stopping. We're preparing. Actually, we're going to be taping a ton of episodes in the last couple of weeks of the year um, and really look forward to uh, bringing some deep dive, interesting stuff to this uh, to the listening audience in the new year. So in the last couple of weeks of the year, we're going to be doing more taping of episodes for next year. I'm really excited about what's going to happen in 2022. Uh, sure, it's going to be crazy, uh, much like this year, but uh, what a year. What a year to... Uh, to uh, really a full year in the podcasting space uh, 2021 was. And I don't think 2022 is going to calm down. So uh, thanks so much.